Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Successful Mind Podcast. Today, I have the amazing guest and designer, Adolfo Sanchez. And um, well, first of all, welcome. Welcome to the podcast, Adolfo. It's amazing to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. It's definitely an honor for me. Um, I just want to tell everybody, I saw you on a Netflix series. And in this series, I was really captivated by this idea. Not only did you build a business, but then something happened and you lost everything and you had to really start over and rebuild everything again. And I was, I was so intrigued by the idea of somebody actually doing that because so many businesses never even make it. Like people cannot stay in their right mind with their ambition. Um, you know, life gets in the way. They have challenges they don't know how to overcome and they fail and they give up. And here you are, you do amazing designs. Uh, you empower women. Your clothing is unbelievably gorgeous. You. And you, you go through a challenge and then you have, to, you have to redo it again. And it's like that story in itself is amazing. So how did you become a designer to start off with? What was your life story? Well, so I'm from uh, Orange County, the Burbs of LA. And um, it really started kind of as a side hobby, to be honest with you. It was really something that I started doing. Um, I, it was the, I was 13, 14 years old. The The rape culture was really big and in, and uh, friends have invited me to go out and go to parties with them. And we started kind of just doing costumes for ourselves. And they would, you know, say, oh, we're trying to look like, you know, the latest runway from Dior. And I'm like, well, what's Dior? You know? <laughs> And I was just this kid from Orange County that didn't know anything. And they started kind of showing me about different designers and, you know, Galliano and all these different brands. And so it really started as something just fun and a hobby. And then I didn't know how to get into the business. I didn't really know how to approach the business. And I didn't, I came from working class, first generation Mexican-American. Both of my parents are from Mexico. I didn't have the money for a big fancy fashion school. And so I applied in retail, South Coast Plaza. And I worked at Macy's and they sold Versace. I did well with the Versace there. Then I went and applied at Versace and got a job at Versace. And then I kind of grew the corporate retail ladder at the fashion side. I uh, worked for Gucci, Cavalli, Carolina Herrera, Loto Piana. And I got to a point where I was started sewing on the side on the weekends. I would go get a sewing. I went and bought a sewing machine at Walmart. Right. Started, you know, buying like the clearance fabric that nobody liked because it was too weird or too funky. And I was like, well, this is cool. And um, I just started sewing and I started hiring seamstresses and I started learning from them and I just kind of went for it. I didn't really do it in a way that I think you're supposed to. Okay. Um, but it just, I just kept learning and learning and learning and learning. And I've had, a, I had a lot of other businesses before I had my own brand. I had uh, gotten hired to do private labeling for a uh, uh, body positive plus size uh, evening wear line. I didn't know what private labeling was in those days. Okay. You know, I was just like, you want me to make stuff and you're going to put your name on it. Cool. <laughs> yeah. you know? um, and then after that, I got pulled into an endorsement and licensing celebrity firm. And, then, you know, and you're yeah. like, is your head spinning as this is happening or, um, you know, it's just, the thing is, is that um, 
the thing is, is that like, I just didn't know what any of it was, but I just was like a sponge. I kept taking all of it. You know what I mean? I kept taking mm-hmm. everything that I could and just was trying to absorb it all. And then I took all of those elements and then started my own brand development firm. It was like a, a company where I was helping designers start because I had learned so much information from like manufacturing for the other line and like are my seamstresses. And that was a way for me to put um, money into my own business. I really didn't, I didn't know anything about, you know, like business loans and, you know, like capital. And I was this kid who went from like these parties into like now like making clothes for people. And I, I was helping these designers and that's where I had a business called creative um, and I was working with about 20, 22 brands under my belt. And I was representing brands from, from here all the way to the Middle East. And I was helping them with celebrity placement, manufacturing their clothes. I work, was working for American Apparel. And um, that's the, the location where I had my brand in there. Also, like in the mix, like treating it like all the other brands. But that was the location where my neighbor had... Um, his business catch on fire, which then his wall was connected to my wall, which caught my location on fire. And then, you know, what we lost about 60, 70% of everything, but you know, that's how the all, it all led up to that, that business. That's how I got into the business. Yeah. So what, so when you lost the business, what was your first reaction? It, It burns down. Like, what are you thinking? I mean, I had never experienced anything like that before. Somebody called me and uh, my neighbor called me and said, hey, there's texting me. Hey, there's smoke coming out of your store, you know? And so I'm like, you know, what is this? And when I showed up, I mean, it was a disaster. The fire trucks were there. They had already put everything out. But I mean, it was like, you know, their job is to put a fire out. They're not trying to take care of your pretty dresses to make sure that nothing happens to them. They're there to like get it done and they did and you know there was a lot of damage and so you know what i mean what 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 do you what can you do it's the situation is done and so then you just have to kind of take a grasp how bad the the damage is and assess what the next step is and i had never dealt with anything like that and three months prior to that my my business partner who was also my personal partner who had been in my life almost 13 years had just exited out of the business and then um maybe six to eight months prior to him exiting out our two other business partners had exit out so i was left by myself with this business and uh you know i was i was just trying to get it going by myself because he had just walked out walked out not like giving me a notice and then this happened and so i was just like really in a dark place for a bit for like a few months i was in a dark place so that when before the fire and these people leave, did that alone put a financial constraint on the business because they were partners? It just put more like a pressure uh, constraint. Yeah, fine. There's all the there's all the constraints that come with it, but it's also like, can I do this when there's three other people and three other roles that are helping me with this baby? Yeah, and I handle this on my own without them, you know, and that's all the questions that come into your head because one was doing social media and marketing and the other one was doing like the business and, um, you know, the financials and the other one was doing operations and I'm doing the creative aspects. And so when all those other aspects get removed, can I do all those aspects when I don't, I don't know, I've never asked them what they're, what they do in their day-to-day roles. Like how do I carry on their roles when I never even knew what they did? You know, yeah. and so it, I had to learn 
everything completely. Yeah, while you're while you're doing the creative. While yeah. I'm doing the creative, while I'm trying to figure out, you know, everything about a fire and insurance and you know, then I went through paperwork and found that they had not taken care of any of the insurance for like over six months. So I had no I had no way to put a claim in, you know. So I literally spent days and days and days calling um different attorneys to see if anyone would take the case. And finally, after like, I don't even know how many calls I made, I found someone that would, that was willing to take it. And, and, and what happened with that, with the, with the case? We got about a quarter of what we were supposed to. Um, maybe less than a quarter actually, but we got something and that helped, helped me kind of, start all over and that was a really big turning point for me because that was one a point where i was by myself personally and in the business and i had done so many things and when i left retail when i left little piana i said i'm leaving this company to start my own pursuit of my own brand and then you know everyone thinks it's so easy to start your own business let yeah. alone start your own label and um you know you don't have clients you know, it's easy to sell Gucci because everyone's like, I, you know, handing it to you. When I worked at the Gucci store, everyone's like, I just want to pay for this. Right. You know, I'm tired of waiting in line. It's different when it's your own name because no one knows who you are. And so I, you know, I had to learn how to do that. I had to learn how to build my own brand. And I said to myself, like, I'm not going to do all these other businesses anymore. This is now the time for me to just pursue my own brand 100%, take everything that I've learned in the past and just put it all into uh, my own name. And I've been doing that for the last three and a half years. So you said that you went into a dark place for a while. How dark did it get? It was dark. It was like the first time I had ever been clinically diagnosed uh, with depression, you know, um, and I it took antidepressants. Um, I don't, you know, antidepressants is a really funny conversation. And I, I don't, I don't, everyone's situation is different in my right. family. You know, my parents, they come from Mexico and they were like, in Mexico, sometimes you're too poor to feel depressed, <laughs> you know, because you, she's like, you know, we were worried about eating and, you know, food and things. You don't think about like, you know, you make, you make with what you have. Yeah. And so, you know, after being on the antidepressants for like a week and a half, my mom had a conversation with me and she said, you know, this isn't what you need. What you need is you go to the gym, cry it out, get these feelings out, get out and do it again. And continue on your own. And I, I did that. I, I threw away the antidepressants. I started going to the gym to kick up my endorphins and feel better. And I let out my stress, yoga, whatever other ways I could. And I went back in to it, you know? And so again, I, I think they might work really great for some people and some people take them for life and some people, right. everyone's situation is different. I was able to get myself out of that funk on my own. And yeah, uh, and pursue. It's amazing that your mother knew that. She's a very strong woman. She has dealt, she's a two-time breast cancer survivor. She has been through a lot. That woman dealt with cancer when it was still like a giant radiation oven, human-sized oven that you would go into. And she has marks on her from the tattoos that they would, um, you know, tattoo on you when they were first starting, like for the chemo and the radiation. And it's in the nineties and the night in the nineties is when she was dealing with it way before technology got to where, you know, medical advancements where it is now. So she's been through a lot. 
so so she had a lot of really facing herself and her own her own uh, hurdles in life and keeping her, her head right to be able to move through it. Yeah, I mean, I think when you grow up and you know you have, you, I hear these stories that like out of all their siblings, there'd be nights where only the oldest siblings would eat, or the oldest siblings wouldn't eat, so that they would be able to have enough food to give to the youngest siblings. I mean, this is a completely different type of yes life, right? Like we have a much more privileged life here. And so I think there's a different mentality that comes with that of like survival when you grow up in that, that type of environment. Well, they're spending their whole life in survival, right? And that's all they know at, at that point. And, and it's yeah. interesting that you say that because, you know, in the States, when we hit a bump in the road, we have no idea how far down a person can actually go where people live in that place all the time, right? So, so you pull yourself out, you go to the gym, you start, you start exercising, you start feeling better. What happens next? What do you take us through that? So then I take the money from, uh, from the insurance. And then somebody says to me, Hey, there's this space in, in downtown in downtown LA where they, it's like a shared business. Um, kind of like, a we work before we work existed. Right. And, you know, they, they said you can start with as little as like a table that you can rent, or you can even start with like a locker for $75 a month. I literally didn't have anything, whatever remnants of the business I had were in the storage unit. So I went and rented a locker with like a pair of scissors and some measurement tapes and a few things that I had and was just like, what am I going to do next? And then I got a call from a client and was like, hey, I see your location is you're not there. Like, where are you now? I, are you still doing dresses? I need a dress. And I was like, well, yeah, but it's only, it's just me now. I don't have like all these other designers for you to choose from. I'm only doing, and she was like, that's okay. You know, can you work with me? And so I started with her and then I just started rebuilding and I went from a locker for $75 a month to like a table for like $500 a month to then like two tables to then, you know, now I have a showroom and half the space here and I'm looking to get back into retail, which is what I was in before. So, um, yeah, just kind of grew. So here's, this is an interesting point because I think people really do wonder when you're in that place, you, you, you've gone so far down why not just say, oh, screw this and go get a job or do something that, that is either more safe or more certain? What was it that was in you that said, no, I want to keep going with this? It's always the easiest route, right? Mm -hmm. To go and just be like, forget this. This is too hard. Let me just go get a job. I mean, I could always jump back into like high-end retail, you know, and get a decent salary working for another established brand. Um. I think for me with, you know, the easier route, I just, I've, it's just, I've always just wanted to keep going. There's always been people that believe in me. I've always had a good support system. I always had very loyal clients. I've always had people that like keep me going, you know? And so I think that's also really important because although I've had said to myself, why don't I just go become a creative director for another like clothing line? Yeah. And just design their clothes. And then I don't have to worry about my own. But then I would I really be satisfied? Would I really be happy? And I've always said to myself that I never want to live with, like, I wish I would have blank. Like, I don't want to be, you know, 50, 60, 70, whatever, older and look back and say, God, I really wish I would have 
whatever. Right. You know, I I wouldn't have given up. I wish I would have just stuck to it. You know what I mean? Like, I just have always kept continuing and finding ways. And I really continued to, I went into it full force at the worst, craziest time. I filmed Next in Fashion um, maybe like five months after I started at the new location. Really? You know, it wasn't that long from the the fire and then it aired like a month before we went into lockdown so it's not like you know yeah it's not like oh it's been so great since you know it's like it's been tough you know i've been back at work i'm an events designer i make clothing for clients who are going to weddings and events and galas and red carpets guess what when california says no events no business so that was another lesson for me, you know, that I need to have an online presence and I need to be accessible and purchasable in different ways other than something that takes six fittings. Sure. You know, so you keep learning and you keep finding ways. And I, I learned how to run my business with less overhead and do more things on my own, things that I'm like having people run and pick out fabrics for me. Now I go and do and it saved me money. And, you know, I'm, I'm working harder, but I'm making more money. Yeah. Also, you know, there's more profit in uh, in what I'm doing now. And so it's like, I just, I've, I don't know, I've given up for me as an option. Well, I, yeah, I mean, that's obvious. You're willing to do whatever it takes. And I think that that's, that's an amazing attribute in, in any person. How did the Netflix thing come about? People ask me that. And then I feel so bad giving them the answer because it's literally was like a DM in my Instagram account. Seriously? It was just like a message like, hey, we're doing the show. I mean, to get on the show wasn't that easy of a process, but I was approached uh, on my Instagram. They sent me a message and said, hey, we're working on a new fashion television show. Would you be interested? And then it was like three months of like interviews and paperwork. And, you know, know, it took a while to get the final okay. But yeah, it came about through social media. A lot of my opportunities, honestly, have come because of social media. It is such a huge factor for me. Factories, textile companies, I mean, celebrities I've worked with, stylists, like so much of it has come from Instagram for me personally. That's really fascinating. That's fantastic. Um, So they didn't know your story or anything. They just were like, hey. And then when they they heard the story, they ate it up and they were... (laughs) They were like, this one's going to be great. Bring a story on TV, you know, because people love to hear stories of like, you fall back down, you get back up. I mean, it's motivating for other people who are in dark places too. You know what I mean? Because I think it's like, it's easier to be like mopey and like, leave me alone, you know, but it's at the end of the day, like life goes on, you know, you have to continue to move forward. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's when I saw your story, I was like, this is a really cool story. I would like to hear what this guy's story is. How did you actually do that? Um, I work with business people all over the world and I see, you know, there's this really interesting thing where some people, if it's, if it's not going absolutely perfectly, they just want to give up. They think, you know, the world's actually coming to an end and there's people like yourself, which I'm always fascinated by, um, is like, what is that thing in them that they see it differently and they're willing to work out of the locker with a pair of scissors. They're willing to do whatever it takes to keep going. And and actually the one part of your answer is very common. So many of them have said to me, I did not want to get to the end of my life and go, damn it. I wish I would have really given this a try because now I don't know if I could have done it. And I really think I could have done it, but I didn't actually do it. And that seems like it's a very common answer anywhere in the world where I ask that question. 
like living with regret. Right. And it's also kind of like, why are you doing this business? You know, what is the purpose behind it? Is it something that you're doing because of financial reasons and that's it? Because that's usually the worst reason to do, I think, I like a business because it requires so much work and so much dedication and so much of your time and so much energy that like, if that's the only reason you're going to have a tough time, like there has to be some sort of passion there. Like you love what you, I, I love what I do, you know that's what I great. mean? And it's, and I mean, sure. After 14 hours of anything that you love, you're going to be exhausted. You know, it doesn't matter if you're yeah. cooking, doesn't matter whatever your passion is. Like if you do it for more than 12, 14 hours, you're going to be like, I need a break. But at the end of the day, I enjoy being creative and I enjoy what I do. And so that's why I was willing to like, and it was exciting for me, even though it was a really kind of tragic way to go about it. It was exciting for me to be like, wow, I'm finally going to do only my line. I don't have to turn to like, you know, I was dealing with designers that came from very strong families that were financially set and had no clue what they were doing, nor do did some of them even have a passion really for it? They just thought because they would go out and shop it that that meant that they were able to design it. And it was right. like, you know, I had to be like, God, I wish I was in their shoes. I'm on the other end having to like do whatever they want, you know, for mm-hmm. financial reasons and wishing that I was able to do these types of things. You know, now it's completely different. Now I've learned, you know, capital and loan and credit, and business credit and all these things that I had to learn because I allowed other people to just, I trusted them, you know? Yeah, for sure. So do you, do you really look at people differently as far as trust goes and how you evaluate the people that you want around you? I'm much more private now. Okay. I used to be, I don't know if that's just something that comes with age. Um, I also feel like I had a really fun life more than like, I think average, like I started partying like at 13, 14 years old, <laughs> you know, and I, I, you know, I've gone to the parties and done like the celebrity things and like the, you know, the after parties and, you yeah. know, all that stuff. I've done a lot of that stuff and it was really fun. And I feel like now it's time for me to dedicate into like actually growing a business. Sure. You know, and I, um, yeah, I mean, I just I feel like I'm at a different point now and I, I, I'm way more private. I'm very selective. And I understand now why, you know, when I was younger, I would say, God, it's th- those people that at the top, they only work with, you know, so-and-so that photographer only works with that model always. And that you create these circles and these bonds that have taken years for them to get there. And it's hard for them to let somebody in because you don't know if they're going to bring whatever it is that you need for them to bring, you know? And so right. I understand things better now as well. Yeah. Or so. bring something that you don't need <laughs> that you don't, yeah, exactly. you don't want to have to deal with. Yeah. And you All trust right, so, people that you are going to execute, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So la- last question. I, I always ask the guests, if you could leave the listeners with a successful mind tip, what would that be? What would you tell everybody? do what you love, you know, do what makes you happy. I mean, I feel like life is really short and you, at the end of the day, if you're not doing something you really enjoy, is it really worth whatever perks that comes with, whether you, it's success in your eyes, you know, I I say, do what you love, be happy and enjoy what you do. That's great. That's great. I totally agree with that one for sure. Because like you said, if you're going to do it for the money, I mean, when you see how much work it's going to take, that'll go out the door really quick. And is, you know, the money going to really satisfy you doing something you really don't like? Most of the time, it usually doesn't in the long run. No. 
I have yeah. a lot of clients. <laughs> yeah. You, you know? Sure. So, sure. Yeah. Well, Adolfo, thank you so much. I wish you the best of success. I, I really appreciate you coming on, and I know that everybody will get a lot out of your story. So thank you very much. I appreciate you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.